Welcome your backup plan tribe to another great podcast brought to you. My name is Tina. Again, if you are new here, welcome. Welcome to Talking Taboo with Tina. I am an emergency preparedness coach, a best-selling author of In the Blink of an Eye. Remember Jeannie? Yeah, that's how things happen. Just like that. In the blink of an eye, something has occurred in your life that is life-changing forever. And that's what happens. We're here on earth and that's the kind of things that happen. And I talk about that all the time. We are not Superman. But I am a financial expert, been in the field for over 20 years, and I'm an app developer of Your Backup Plan app. I'm located here in beautiful Vancouver, BC. And what do we do on our show? I mean, thank you, everybody who comes back and subscribes to our show and all our new subscribers. And our I welcome my previous ones. Thank you so very much from the from my heart. Uh, I wouldn't be here today going into my third season if it wasn't for you guys. So thank you so much. We focus on real raw conversations with our listeners about the guest's journey from a life-changing event in their life. And that is, to me, so beautiful to hear how somebody has had something happen in their life that has made such a difference in their own life or someone else's after. And that inspires me to get up in the morning. It inspires me to find that next wonderful guest. And, you know, people say, Tina, what is your backup plan app? Anyways, what the heck is it? Your backup plan app puts your life all in one place in case of any unpredictable circumstance while it takes that painful aftermath out of that tragedy. And what does that mean? It means that we all can count on we're going to get sick or disabled or dementia or, I mean, we could have a list of things. We lose our house in a fire. We we have a hurricane. We have a flood. We have the Florida condo collapse. We have Wars around us today in 2022, we have things that you didn't expect ever to happen. The pandemic, people have passed away with COVID. People have been in ICU with COVID. We've had so many instances in life where it really means something to be better prepared. And we used to be better prepared in the prairies, back in Little House on the Prairie. People used to roll up brown paper and put their documents inside it and tie it up tight and stick it up in the rafters or the basement rafters or the attic rafters and then tell the family members where these important documents were. But do we do that now? No. And it's so complicated now. All of these documents are everywhere. They could be online. They could be digital. They could be in the mail. They could be in your filing cabinet. They could be in your drawer. Where I, I have found things from clients in garbage cans. I have found a person's will in a garbage can. I have, you know, who knows why they put it there, but they have great intentions before they die. I've had clients who said, my dad said I had a will done and everything's looked after. Famous last words. 
nothing. Matter of fact, she paid someone to open up the safe that was locked at his at her dad's house just to find out that there was Home Depot flyers in the safe. But he's prepared. So where the heck is all this preparation? Maybe he didn't really know what he needed to do. You know, that that could be too. And you think, well, I'll do this and I'll do that and that will be enough. But it's not. So the app helps you, assists you, guides you through the process. And all you have to do is just listen to the assistant that guides you through. And I was, uh, I wanted to make sure, I wanted to make sure this was easy for everybody to do. And Mike Tyson always says, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Isn't that true? We do. We have great intentions until something does happen. Um, so just quickly, I'd like to thank all of my listeners around the world. And things have changed in the last few months. So thank you, United States, and thank you, Canada, for being one of our top listeners. Thank you, Germany, for sticking in there and staying with number three. And now we have Italy and Australia coming up the ranks. So maybe I'll have to turn on my Italian um, accent or something for you guys if, uh, if you can beat that next round. I'd love to have you come on, and I'm so thankful and grateful for your listening. Um, welcome to my German listeners. Um, I always like to welcome my German friends. Meine deutsche Freunde sind unserem Podcast willkommen. Wenn Sie Kommentar haben, können Sie gern Fragen stellen. Also danke für deine Freundschaft und danke für, für Sie hören, meine deutsche Freunde. So thank you again for my German listeners. Thank you to, to around the world. I, I treasure all of you. So let's get into this. Um, the Emerging Blueprint is going to be coming uh, down. I keep saying that. I'm so sorry, but it's just grown exponentially, and I need to get it out there to you guys very, very quickly. So stay tuned. It's coming. It is coming down the works uh, very soon. Um, I have a library of videos and interviews and worksheets and having those family conversations, which are so, so very important. Um, and how to make a fun night of it, how to have a game out of it, how to have appies, wine, coffee, and talk about all those taboo stuff that we don't like to talk about. But, you know, sometimes a little bit of alcohol and fun and food maybe will change that outcome a little bit for you. So that's what we're all about here. And I'm so happy to have you guys on. Uh, if you have found us, you found us for a reason. So thank you very much and share, like, and subscribe. And I always bring my hand out down here. Subscribe. <laughs> I have to do it with my left hand. Subscribe down here. Press on that subscribe button. We would love, love to have you come on our show. Thank you so very much for, for being here, for, for wanting to be here with us all. Thank you. Um, let's get on our party going here. We have a very special guest, my devastating loss of bearing a child. You know, isn't that the worst thing that everyone can possibly think about in their life is that. And I wanted to have Shirley Thiessen on here today. She comes from Calgary, Alberta. Um, and she's going, she's a grief coach, and I'm going to bring her on right now and give her a better introduction. There we go. Hi, Shirley. 
Hi, Tina. Great to I'm be so here. happy to have you on here today because, you know, it's the worst thing to talk about. And I know it, it has to be hard and difficult, but I know you're here for a reason. And I know I want to help you with that. Where did all of this start for you, Shirley? Mm. Well, thank you for opening up this conversation because it's one that I think needs to be shared. But my husband, uh, Carrie, and I, we have two children. We have a son named Jordan and a daughter named Chantel. And I'll invite you into my story in the year 2012, the fall of that year. So at that point, my daughter was 20 and attending university um, in a different city. Um, she was in her third year and our son was recently graduated, just um, landed a career job in our city. And on October 6th was married to his sweetheart. Well, shortly after the wedding, um, my husband and I went down to California for a vacation. And we were reviewing the year and all the blessings that we had enjoyed. It had been a year of huge milestones. And we were just so grateful. Like other parents do, we had invested so much love, time, energy, prayer, and money into our son. Now he was gainfully employed, happily married, off our payroll. Life was great. Well, just a few days into that vacation, it was so beautiful. I wanted to be by the pool with my book and just relax. But first, I needed to do an errand. I needed to buy something for our kitchen condo. And so I determined I was going to shop like my husband, you know, just in and out, find it, buy it, take it home, done. And as I walked into the store, I was quickly distracted by a rack of dresses on clearance. So forgetting that I was in a hurry, I went over to have just a quick look. We all do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whether we need it or not, it's just like, gotta look. Exactly. Well, there was a black dress on this rack that clearly didn't belong with these summer dresses, but I was really attracted to it. I remember holding it up on the hanger. I admired the design. I loved the fabric. It was so soft. It was beautifully lined, but it wasn't my size. I didn't need a dress. I put it back. And as I did, I heard these words. I want you to buy that black dress. You are going to a funeral. Well, my head swung around to see who said that. Yeah. There were people in the store, but no one was near me. Confused, I continued to walk away. And this time I could read the words in my head like a news ticker. Before I knew it was happening, I'm in the change room, standing in front of this full length mirror, wearing the dress. It fit so well. It felt so comfortable, kind of like a hug. But my rational thought was this, I don't know anyone who has recently died. I have no funeral to attend. Besides, I already have a black dress in my closet. Like, what am I doing? Yeah, and how often do you wear it? Like you're trying to analyze, right. do I need this? Right, and you know, I have heard God's whispers to my spirit, I have felt his nudges, but never before did I receive such a bold directive, like I could not avoid it or deny it. I bought the dress, unsure to whose funeral I was meant to wear it. Well, I didn't have long to wait. 
It well, was I'm just... anxious to find out what you said to your husband when you brought the dress back. <laughs> I don't think Did you I tell him? him right away. No? no, I didn't even tell him right away. I remember going down for a nap because I was so exhausted. And that was, I was thinking why? And I actually slept indoors, which I was intending to go to the pool. But in hindsight, now I knew I needed that rest um, because in a couple hours, a California police officer came to our door. And within a few moments, my worst nightmare began to unfold. Our 23-year-old son, Jordan, married only 12 days, had been killed in a workplace accident. And it took me a few moments before I connected the dots. That black dress, the one I had just bought, now I knew to whose funeral I was meant to wear it. My son's funeral. And I wow. saw it in disbelief. But at the same time, I felt like my heavenly father had picked out the dress that I should wear to his funeral. And in that way, it was like a tangible gift of his presence. Mm -hmm. it it's like he picked it out. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, I could have stood in front of my closet at home and just stared at it for hours and not being able to make a decision. The trauma of a loss just totally takes away your uh, <laughs> your opportunity ability to, to think. Yeah, I <laughs> and I just that what I say all the time. <laughs> like Absolutely. where does your thinking go to? It just it just it just disappears. Disappears. And so it was such a gift to have God pick out what I would to wear. And you know, wearing that dress gave me confidence to give a 23-minute tribute to my 23-year-old son at his funeral. And my darkest wow, I don't day. know how you did that. I'm not sure either, but I know God was helping me. Maybe you got the power when you put the dress on. Well, I think it was more who gave it to me. I believe that is his strength that is made obvious in my weakness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they say, you know, strangely, that we've already, everything that we're experiencing, we've already done. And I haven't quite understood that. Everything that we are going to experience, it's already laid out for us. It's already happened. And I, I don't understand that theory, mm. but it makes sense with your story. Well, I believe we do have agency. We do have ability to choose our responses to our circumstances for sure. But I also know that God has ordained our days. So there is this mystery that I sense in, in some things like that. Um, but I just choose to trust God for every day because I honestly could not even talk to you today about losing my son without his strength. Yes. Yes. It's very true. Um, and how's your husband dealing with it? Well, we are so opposite in how we have been grieving. And I think this is very common with family members and couples. Um, I was a very private person before my son died. And it was almost like um, somebody flipped a switch. And suddenly, I just want to talk about him to anyone who will listen. Thus, I am talking to you. My husband, on the other hand, 
um, went very quiet with his grief. And uh, if he was on your podcast, he would be mostly crying. And that's okay. We grieve differently. And, and I'm so grateful that he has supported me in my endeavors to develop a grief ministry and start a nonprofit and speak. And I wrote a story. Um, I've written a book called The Little Black Funeral Dress. Five oh, yes. I, I saw that on your website. Yeah. Five um, things I, I wish I had known about grief. Now, um, Shirley, quickly, I have that website down below in the description box for everybody to see. Can they get the book from the website? Is that how yes. they? Yes, they can. It's also on Amazon, but you can get it from my website, which would be okay. great. Okay. Either way, it's, it's I guess, easy sure. to, to do, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I mean, that was very, once you put your story into print, as you know, it's a very vulnerable position to be at. And so that wouldn't have been my husband's default at all, but I'm so grateful that he has been so supportive of me and we give each other grace to grieve as we need to. Right. That's wonderful. And you've obviously didn't know this before. So it's kind of helped you with your journey as well, how people grieve differently. And, and you wanted to talk about how they talk to you, how do other people, it, like educating friends to know what to say. Well, one thing that that became, yeah, something that became very obvious early on was that some of our friends, um, I think we're a little bit uncomfortable with our, our grief and loss and weren't, weren't sure how to respond. Well, others just were so courageous because grief is messy and it's unpredictable. And it does take courage to walk alongside grieving friends. And what I noticed was that these caring friends who I affectionately call hope heroes, because they lent us hope when ours was just leaking out fast. And if it weren't for them, a listening to our story again and again, acknowledging our loss, praying for us, and patiently being present, I, I wouldn't be able to say I, I could move through my grief. I mean, grief needs motion. And for having people just to bear witness to your pain and express empathy, like I had no idea what a priceless gift that is to receive. And so now I want to pay it forward and I want to help people like the younger me who feel a bit un uncertain, uncomfortable to know, like, what do I say? What do I do that, that I can, that will be helpful and supportive? <laughs> because I think for many of us, and I'm speaking about myself here too, the younger me was so fearful of saying something that would wound my friend that I would just go, you know what? I'm just going to avoid the topic. I'm never going to bring up the name of their loved one. I'm never going to talk about it because I don't want to make it worse. But not realizing that my avoidance felt like indifference to my grieving friend. And now I know that indifference actually feels more wounding than hate. And so I am very committed to helping people like the younger me to be confident in knowing how to express empathy because it makes 
all the difference for the hurting and the brokenhearted. And it does because when there's quietness, all you can think of is they don't care. Right, right. And I'm sure they do care, but they're not showing they care. Right. So what you want to do is educate people and showing that you care. Yeah. And there are many well-meaning people who have these platitudes or these things that they say, like my, my daughter-in-law often heard, well, at least you're young enough. You'll find another husband. Well, yes, that might yes, be because they're a, they're just a dime, you know, everywhere. You just find them. They're growing everywhere. <laughs> and, and it was hurtful, right? Because they weren't, it was like, well, cheer up. Come on. It's not that bad. You can get another one of those. Like, and it, it just is not helpful at all. It makes it worse. And it, it, that now you want to just avoid that person. They're not yeah. safe. They're not safe. Now you just want to hit them. <laughs> yeah, that too. Or, or if your parents have passed away or an older friend or spouse or something, and people will say, well, you know, they had a good life. Mm -hmm. Like that yeah. makes it all better. Right. And every, every loss is different. I just as our fingerprint is unique to us, our, the way we grieve um, is going to be unique to us and we'll all do it a little bit different. But I think the only wrong way to grieve is to not grieve. And it is exhausting work and it is painful. It's uncomfortable. But to not grieve means we're postponing it, which it will eventually erupt, probably in unhealthy ways. And so I know that for a time I, I got stuck on my grief journey. And even though God made this amazing gift to me with this black dress, as the fog of my loss started to lift and I realized, wait a minute, Jordan's not coming back like ever. Not, I won't see him again till heaven. Like that's not okay. I've, I've not only lost my son, I've lost our future with him. Yeah. I no longer have the opportunity to get those grandchildren I deserve. I don't, I'm going to miss the joy of watching him be a daddy and a husband. And I had been looking forward to that all my life because I just was so excited to see him get married and think, oh, this is going to open up a whole new experience. And um, yeah, and then you start to realize, oh my word, that is not going to be my experience. And so those are secondary losses that I had not anticipated. And I found myself slipping into this slimy pit of bitterness. Yeah, and because you're asking the why. Why? Why? Yeah. And I mean, I know that it's not if, but when, right? Those who yes. love will also grieve. But there is something so um, wrong with bearing a child. It's out of order. It's not the natural progression. And, you know, I'd even told Jordan, and you might be proud of me about this, Tina, but I had, I had made plans of what I wanted for my funeral. I wrote down all the details of kind of food I wanted, who I want involved, what songs exactly. And I remember telling Jordan about this and where he could find it. And 
he was such a tease. Look at you go. I know. I thought Good you'd be proud of you. Me. But then my son, he had this twinkle in his eye and he looked at me and he goes, mom, you're going to be dead. We can do whatever we want because he knew that I'm a, I'm a control freak. And he just thought, thought he would push my buttons. And, you know, <laughs> when he died, I was like, wait a minute. I never asked him what he would want for his funeral. Of right, course not. Because he's younger. Well, I, I never anticipated even being here for his funeral. And, you know, things like that were just such a shock. Yeah. And and I tell people, you know, guys, it doesn't matter what color you are or color your eyes are or what color your skin is or how old you are or what religion you are or what color hair you have. It doesn't matter. Hmm. Think of every single person that's on earth doesn't matter how old they are to have some sort of plan mm -hmm. because yeah. even the younger like your son I talk about he has so many passwords and so many accounts that you're unaware of I had a client who had assigned for a lease of a truck because he got this new job and he's out on his own and he got himself a truck and it sounds all beautiful and wonderful, but he died. Mm. And then they're stuck with this truck with no idea of, well, what, what do we do? Mm -hmm. And where's his stuff? Like we don't want passwords or, or Facebook to come up every year and show us in all of our friends and family faces again. We don't want his Instagram page to always be there. And, you know, so we have these conversations to talk about, well, what would you want done with your social media? Mm -hmm. Do you want us to like keep updating it every year? Maybe little stories that you said or talked about or pictures or what do you want done with it? We don't have those conversations. No, no, we don't. You're right. Well, one thing I will say about Facebook particularly is that it was a way for me to share that my son had died and everyone knew without me having to pick up the phone or sending a text to a hundred right. people. Yes. And also what I do appreciate about that is people were able to send stories about my son on on Facebook or online that just were so impactful and so such a comfort to hear these stories from people I'd never met who had a relationship with Jordan or knew him from somewhere. And um, that was incredible. What a gift. Yeah. Very moving for you. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That's nice. Just to know that others are remembering your loved one with you is a beautiful way to acknowledge the loss. Yes. What um, what kind of hit you the hardest when when you heard? Well, you know, it's crazy what comes to your mind immediately. For me, the most random thought was, no, 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 this this isn't possible. We don't even have the wedding pictures back yet. And 
I just thought, like in the, in some ways, I'm so grateful that we had those all those pictures from yeah. recent celebration. Um, I really feel badly for people who don't have any recent pictures of their loved one with them with them, and and we had those, and each one is priceless, absolutely priceless. But yeah, it was the realization that the future is gone with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, one of the things that Jordan did is he was very, um, very thoughtful. And he had written a card to his dad and I just days before he died. And we didn't receive the card till after his death. But he was just saying, you know, like thanking us for all the things we had done for the wedding and welcoming Elise into the family. And and he goes, we're, you know, I just so admire your marriage and I want our marriage to be like that. And I want to, we're still going to go on family vacations together, right? Even though I'm married and which really meant code for, you're still going to pay, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to help, right? Yeah, you're still going to. But, you know, he just was so affirming uh, in his words. And um, so those those cards are something that I am so glad I have kept over the years and they too are something that I treasure. But yeah, I think one thing I've just decided that going forward, I want to be the best things about my son for other people. And that's one way to carry him with me into the future. Absolutely. And all of your experiences and your thoughts to help others. It's very very informative as well as helpful. Um, That's quite amazing how he wrote that just before, like he knew. Well, it wasn't unusual. He would often like give us a card, like he'd fill up all the white space of the card with his own handwriting. And it was his practice to do this, especially at, um, on special events. So we just finished the wedding. So yeah, we had been very involved in, in helping with the wedding, planning it, um, you know, all the events. So he he knew that it, you know, it was a big deal. And so yeah. he was grateful. And and I I love that that was his pattern. Um, that's what he did. Well, it, it it's beautiful. But at the same time, um, after a wedding, people usually don't have much time like they're they're just so incapitated with, with going to work and getting their regular life back again. And are they moving and are they buying something? Are they renting? Are they like, they're having their friend, like there's no time to be thankful. Well, you know, it's interesting that uh, many of the wedding guests got their thank you card from Jordan and Elise after the funeral, just shortly after. So we're still in the same month that they got married and they were very diligent about doing that. And I think partly because they chose to delay their honeymoon until November. So they had that break of, they they had a little bit of time. So they thought, let's just do that. Let's make sure everybody knows how grateful we are for their participation. And, um, and yeah, I think part of it was because the honeymoon was yet to come. Yeah. That's beautiful. So what can you say that you've learned with coping with this? You know, mm. because burying a child could be a baby or. Yes, absolutely. In the womb or a, out. Yes. Could be an addiction or. 
that you lose to our wonderful fentanyl problem mm-hmm. around the world? Well, you know, the younger we used to think that grief was a private matter. It's best dealt with all alone. Like, no, that is such wrong thinking. I have realized so much we need each other. We need a community of safe friends to walk through this grief journey with us. And so no matter what someone is grieving, it could be the loss of a job, a loss of a marriage due to divorce. It could be the loss of your dream or the loss of your hope for a child. Maybe it's a diagnosis or a health crisis or cancer. I mean, all these things are big things that we grieve and we need each other to walk through that. And I'm so grateful that I have had those kind of friends that did that with me. And so I, when I meet people and they're trying to just deal with it on their own, I try to strongly encourage them to find those safe, caring friends. They, there are people out there and, um, and maybe they don't have them in their life right now. Maybe no one in their family wants them to talk about their loss. And I'm going, don't let that stop you. Find someone who is willing to let you talk about your loved one. One thing I really learned is that sometimes I didn't even know what I was thinking or feeling until I spoke it out loud to have someone just listen and lean in and listen and, um, and let me lead the conversation. So there's, some days I didn't want to disclose everything. I just yeah. certain things and, but they were just kindly curious people who chose to um, learn about grief through me. That was very validating. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, when I expressed my fears or concerns, like not dismissing it or trying to cheer me up was really helpful. Um, shared tears, powerful. Wow. Like that tear, shared tears and hugs are more impactful than I ever would have thought. I think it's, um, well, to a relationship, it's building trust, right? Mm-hmm. That is underlying it all. So you can feel comfort in the support and the trust. So well, if people don't have the friends and family around them that are giving them what they need, what would you advise them finding groups or yeah, there are certainly. quite a few now? For sure. Um, Grief Share is a program that I'm familiar with. It's, it's free. It's hosted in many churches um, in cities across Canada and the United States. Um, maybe it's a grief counselor, but I am um, committed to help others just be those hope heroes for each other. Because you know what? It's not if, it's it's when. It's all mm-hmm. going to happen to us. And so even being a hope hero to someone else, you're actually modeling it for them. And you know what? It's going to come back to bless you because you're going to need them as a hope hero in your life at some point, if not already. And so I, I really want to help people to express empathy because like you say, empathy accelerates trust and trust is so important. So whether it's at the workplace, it's with your colleagues, how do you come alongside that person in, who has a cubicle next to you and you know they're struggling? Well, what do you do? How do you engage them? Those are things that are important for productivity in a workspace. I think 
HR consultants and HR teams need to be really good about educating um, their their employees about this. Yeah. And, and uh, finding solutions to help them. Absolutely. Um, I shared with you uh, earlier about two different experiences that we had with different businesses that um, one showed empathy and one did not. And as a result of that, one of the companies we absolutely love and the other one we have a strong disdain for. And so as you think about a business owner, you want for customer service, you want your customers to experience empathy. And so I'll just briefly share the, the yeah. context. So my when my son died, he fell 116 feet down an elevator shaft at a work site. And his phone was lost. We never could find it. And so my husband um, called the phone provider and said, I'm calling on behalf of my son. He has died in a workplace accident. I'm calling to cancel his phone plan. The lady on the other end said, you can't cancel the, any plan unless you're the owner. So please have your son call me and of then I'll, I'll take care of it. And so my husband thought she didn't hear him. No, my son has died and he won't be calling you. And she, <laughs> well, it's our policy. It's our company policy that no one can cancel a plan unless they call themselves. And so they kind of got into this like match. My husband was, I could just feel his, his uh, anger just rising and she's not understanding. And yeah, and it it's like, like what do I need to say in a different language or something yeah, like yeah. So eventually my husband was able to speak to a VP um, and he actually defended the, the young woman and said, well, that's our policy. She was just doing her job. Well, then my husband said, well, then you better develop um, a policy where your em employees can think critically and think, does this scenario fit outside of our policy? So eventually we got that resolved, but conversely, um, because the newlyweds were supposed to go to Hawaii and they had uh, these flights that my husband was trying to get the money back for Jordan's widow. But so he calls and he explains the same thing. My, my son has died. Would it be possible to get a refund, even though we didn't have that kind of insurance on it? And the lady was very kind, said, I am so sorry for your loss. She said, I can't make any guarantees about a refund but I'll have to see the death certificate just to verify what you're saying. And my husband said, I'm, I'm happy to do that. And they hung up. Now, before my husband could even fax her or uh, scan the, the death certificate to her, she calls back and she said, you know what? I went online. I read your son's obituary. I am again, so sorry for your loss. We are going to fully refund every penny to Jordan's widow. Wow, like what a contrast. One was so empathetic. And so as you can imagine, we told everybody about yeah. how amazing Hawaiian Airlines was. And we told them how terrible this other provide telephone provider was. So for every business person, you need to think about educating your staff about empathy uh, because it really will make a difference in your clients. 
Absolutely. And during those times, people tell so many people. Mm. Oh, yeah. You bet. Yeah. Um, I, I realize being a young guy and he had different things. Has she still found difficulty in trying to find the things that he had that she didn't she wasn't aware of? Do you know if she went through that? I, you know, I think we were able to find everything that we needed. I mean, without the phone was something we were, we were hoping to recover. But other than that, um, Jordan had lived at home until just a few days before the wedding and was very open with his dad about the few things he did have. So yeah, it, it was pretty. It worked out for you. Mm -hmm. Cause I know once they move away and you think that, you know, they're not your responsibility anymore, so to speak. Um, and they have this new truck or this new vehicle and their new job and a girlfriend or a wedding right. to do or whatever that, you know, you're done, but you're not. No, no. And, you know, my son and my husband are pretty tight. They were um, great friends and uh, they discussed everything. So there was, um, yeah, just this transparency that it wasn't difficult for my husband to tie up some of those loose ends that you need to do with, with a death. But in say a case like yours um, with your son, how do you know about organ donation if he wanted that? Or how did you know about would he want to be buried or cremated or anything like that? Well, that's true. I mean, when it came to like, being buried or cremated, we left that decision to his wife to decide. Um, so we deferred to her and um, we know that he would have been okay with whatever she thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause that's, that's a hard thing. And families sometimes fight over little things like that. No, she wanted this. No, she wanted that. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, we did not have a family plot. We had not purchased anything ahead but now we do and now there's room for i think six of us um and uh but isn't it funny how you didn't have a plan until something happens right right till you mean, get punched in the face yeah yeah exactly exactly we didn't think because we a lot of time yet you right? have time and you have you can do it tomorrow mm-hmm yeah, we all live like that. And I'm not sure why we do, but we do. <laughs> well, it's uncomfortable for many to think about end of life or death or what comes next. And uh, we we like to live in the moment, in the uh, here and now. And uh, it's very wise to, to think ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. What are, What would be some of the things that you could give to help friends hmm. assist. Well, you know I think it's really important to remember this, that as a friend of the griever, it is not your responsibility to fix the pain of someone's loss. You can't fix it, but you can help to carry it. And how do you carry it? You express empathy by doing the lap. And the lap is an acrostic for 
L-A-P-P being listen, acknowledge the loss, pray, and patiently be present, and then just repeat. And so thinking about how, like, anyone who thinks that grief has a timeline have never experienced a devastating loss themselves. And so I think it's really important that we don't project onto our grieving friends that, you know, this is a race and there is a prize for speed. There is no such thing. This will be something that you is a life altering thing that will, will last as long as you live. But I think it's also important to extend hope to our grieving friends to believe that it is possible to recycle this pain for good purposes. And I've experienced that. You've experienced that. And that is what helps us get unstuck. Because when you meet, you might meet people who, when they talk about the loss of their loved one, it's like it happened yesterday, but it, in actuality, it happened 20 years ago. They've not been able to move forward. I, I know a, a mother who had four children and one of her children died very tragically. Well, she got so captivated or fixated on her loss that she almost forgot about her other children. And it took 10 years before she actually realized that she was missing out on their lives and being involved with them. And then you've got this regret and remorse about, oh, I've just wasted that. Um, so I am a huge proponent of do what you can to help people gain a, a perspective on their grief where they can recycle their pain and not get stuck. And listen. And listen and acknowledge the loss and pray and patiently be present. Well, I think the patiently present part is difficult for most people. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Um, because sometimes we're uncomfortable with their grief and we just want to, you know, just let's, let's bring it to a conclusion. Like, let's you, fix it. <laughs> or have you had closure? Like, Will this bring closure? Yeah, what does that mean? Exactly. But you do hear that. That must be an old statement or something. Well, people are still saying it. Like, for example, when um, we were invited to visit the work site where our son had died, we were there to see the improvements they had made for safety. And I, you know, just being at the spot, the last spot that my son was alive was was very emotional for us. And when we got back, um, people often said, well, do you have closure now? And it was like, no, we don't. Like, uh, it will never be closed to me. I will grieve my entire life. And yes, grief softens over time. Yeah. And we learn to recycle it. And and there will be days where we can actually talk about him and not cry. And we could be laughing and we can smile and that but that goes on forever that that grief and that it's is just part of who we are it becomes um something that we've absorbed into who we are and and grief actually can make you a better person it, i find it has for me i'm more empathetic than i once was i yeah. certainly 
am more aware of other people around me. I'm not quite as self-absorbed as I once was. Um, I live with um, knowing that life is short, right? And so I think about how I want to be remembered when I die. And now I kind of reverse engineer my life and my priorities to meet that goal. So it's very clarifying. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate those things about grief. It is, but you think you're getting through it. I think most people would say this and you could be a year in, you could be five years or 10 years. It doesn't matter, but there could just be one smell. Oh yeah. One song, one thing while you're walking through the mall and you see something and it just triggers it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's yeah. very um, interesting how that works actually. And it causes um, erratic behavior. Like I have actually <laughs> followed a guy in my car because uh, he just looks so much like my son. And he was driving a car very similar. And I was Isn't like, oh, that weird. I just want to, I just want to get closer. Like I just want to get closer. And so um, I took some risks to follow him, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I never did meet him, but I was just like, oh, oh, that looks so much like Jordan. And I mean, I would have never done that before, but it was just like, yeah, I just, I want so much to see him or I'd love to see. Yeah. I just love to see what he's who he'll be doing now. And so I do have a great interest in Jordan's friends. Um, So they, you know, the three guys that were his groomsmen at his wedding two weeks later were his pallbearers and giving tributes to him. And And they were crazy as that. Oh, when you think about it. Yeah. And they're all that could be the title of your next book. (laughs) Well, and they were all in their early twenties, right? Like no one ever expects that you're going to attend your friend's funeral. And so, you know, I've just taken a real interest in their lives and now several of them are married and some have children. And I, you know, I certainly love, tracking with them and encouraging them. But at the same time, it does hurt because I'm thinking, oh, I wonder, you know, what they would be doing with Jordan and their kids and like, would they be vacationing together? And, and so I've realized that you can hold these emotions of sad and happy at the same time. I say sad plus happy equals sappy. And so I feel like I live like a sappy life. <laughs> where yeah. I'm yeah. Holding those together because it's beautiful in a way because you have this extended family right you know where where you're all part of the same thing um but at the same time you feel sad about the it not continuing yeah how it was supposed to happen yeah exactly the things i'm missing and um but I am I'm very grateful that I will see my son again in heaven. And that is a big part of my hope. And um, that keeps me going forward because yeah. this life is not all there is. No, absolutely. And it makes you definitely feel better that you think you'll. it's just a, a time spent and you'll see them again. Yeah, it's an interruption in mm-hmm. a relationship. It's not the end of a relationship. Yeah. Just a pause. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Have he, has he ever come to you? Uh, no, 
Well, be ready. Well, I certainly have dreams about him, and uh, but I, I am I'm longing for the day where I will actually physically be with him, and that is enough for me. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, what I, I'm sure you're getting, whether you know it or not, the strength and all of these things to do what you're doing now. What would you advise somebody that's just heard about? someone close to them passing, what would be your first friend contact? What would you do? What would you say? Well, I would say so many times we can talk ourselves out of doing something. We can think, oh, they have a lot of family around right now. Or, you know, I'm sure they have, they have closer friends than, than me. I'll just step back. I would say, you know what, reach out call them and you know what if you if you text or call they they can choose not to respond and that's okay but make the effort to acknowledge their loss and you could say something like i i have no words i i don't even know what to say but i am so sorry and i am hurting with you that's all you need to say yeah and, um, you know, you don't have to go on and pontificate about anything, but just express that you know, you care, mention their, their loved one's name, and, if, and keep checking in. And, you know, sometimes we get so offended if someone doesn't respond to our kindness in the way that we think they should. Well, honestly, I can tell you that my own etiquette uh, courtesies <laughs> kind of flew out the window when Jordan died. And I'm so glad for friends who didn't like dismiss me just because I didn't respond right away or I didn't say thank you when they showed up with something or because like you're in such a fog that it's impossible to respond appropriately sometimes. So I just say like, keep, keep responding or keep trying. I've had some people say to me, well, I tried three times and they never responded. I go, we'll try three more next month. And then maybe a couple months later, try three more times. Like, don't give up. And, yeah. uh, you know, one thing that was a shock to me was that the second year was harder than the first. And you think, how is that possible? Yeah. Because we have this crazy idea that if you just get through the first of every special event or special thing that, you know, it'll get easier. That's not necessarily true. I found that the second year, my, I was now more aware of all the losses that this was yeah. going to mean. And so, you know, even I've even run into people who reached out to a friend 10 years later and they said, you know, I am so sorry. I was not there for you when your father died or whatever it was, but I just want you to know that I really miss your dad too. I remember this about him. Like that can be so impactful. So even if you have neglected a friend in the past, come back and say, I'm sorry that I wasn't that kind of friend for you, but I just want you to know, I know you're still missing him. And so am I. Yeah, that would, that would make them feel comforting. Um, I do know that I had spoken to a different guest and they had suggested because it's so hard to know where the person's at. 
because they don't even know where they're at. That's right. right? (laughs) That's right. So by getting, like you said, a not, uh, I don't know how to put it, um, by you saying to go keep going back to try to help when they don't know. I had this one guest who suggested that you just call them and ask them where they are today on mm-hmm. a scale of one to 10. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you're really sad, you don't want to say, oh, I'm really sad today. Because if I did that, I would just blurt out, you know, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't understand anything I said. So without having to go into it or why you feel sad, because sometimes you don't even know, is just to say, I'm, I'm a two today. I'm not good. So right. then that person who just called them knows, okay, well, today I'll, I, I won't go into all that with them. I'll just call them tomorrow or right. next week. Right. Yeah, no, that's an excellent thing to do. Another thing is um, to really say, like, what do you miss most about your loved one today? And just give them the opportunity to talk. Because as time goes on, less and less people will ask about yes. you. And so let them just say as little or as much as they want to. But yeah, truly saying, how are you, is a terrible question to ask. Because I know that my emotions changed every five minutes. And yeah. I didn't even know how I was. But to say yeah, on a scale of one to 10, where, where do you find yourself today? That's a great, great way to pose it for sure. And the other other thing I would just say that you can offer to a grieving friend is instead of saying, well, just call me if you need anything. Yeah. That is such a cop out. Um, And I know that we're well-meaning when we say that, but it is much more helpful to say something like, you know, next week on Tuesday or Thursday, I'm available for you. I can walk your dog or I can take your kids to the park or I can run an errand for you or bring you dinner, like, is any of those things helpful for you next week? And so you've still given them uh, the ability to make a choice Mm because now they know what you're willing to offer, which is really helpful. And maybe they'll say, well, that sounds wonderful, but not next week. Maybe could you call back, you know, next month or something. Mm -hmm. But that's a really practical way to acknowledge someone's loss and, and share hope. And what I always like when you say that is because when you say that to someone, yeah, the person calling or speaking to them has to realize they don't even know how they feel. No. So they don't really know what they want. A matter of fact, they probably missed breakfast, lunch, and dinner and forgot that they even had to eat or did they eat. Right. And you're asking them if, if, they could drop off some food. Well, it's not really important because they, oh, food. Oh, I, I, oh yeah, I was forgot to eat. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, know, it just on that topic of food, we were blessed with many people bringing um, food and different varieties, which was awesome. Awesome. Yeah. But I got so stressed about returning the dishes. (laughs) 
of the appropriate people because they weren't labeled or anything. So I think the, so here's just a little practical tip. Make sure that you give it to that, your friend in something that doesn't have to be returned. That's just a great say, tip. Just say either recycle it or, you know, reuse it. reuse it or whatever, but don't even think about having to return this to me because I cannot tell you how much anxiety that caused me thinking, oh my goodness, I don't know which dish belongs to who. And oh, that was just overwhelming. And it's like, it's such, it seems like such a little thing for, but it was huge to me in, in that time. I think it would be huge to me too, because I think you're so, I try and tell people this all the time, but I don't know if they can really understand it until they experience it. But you're, your logic brain just disappears. And so you could literally sit for weeks, days, months, forgetting to eat. Mm-hmm. What are you going to make? Not interested in making anything. Yeah. Not interested if the dishes are piling up in the kitchen. You couldn't give a crap. Mm-hmm. So not only do you feel like you have to give them their dish back, but now you have to wash it. Yeah. So... And, and you have to do it well, too. So that's just another hassle. So it'd be much easier to get it back from somebody who says, you know, use it, do whatever you want with it. Because then you could look at it after and just throw it out if you didn't care. I mean, at least there's no feel like pressure. Yeah. You know, it's such a little thing. And yet it, in the moment, it can feel like such a big thing. Yeah. And so, well, yeah, we, we can just take the pressure off and just say, don't worry about returning it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, if they want to keep it, great. If they don't, it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, what kind of final message? You know, I, I could talk about this all afternoon, surely, with mm-hmm. you. It's um, Thank you so very much for coming on. What kind of final messages would you like the listeners to really hear? Hmm. Well, for the griever... I would say to you, please remember that it is possible to recycle your pain for good purposes. Pain can have a meaningful purpose. And so look for it. Instead of resenting your loss, look for how you can recycle it. And to the friend of the griever, I say, please remember that it is not your job to fix the pain of loss but you have the privilege and honor of helping to carry it. And how do you carry it? You express empathy, listen, acknowledge the loss, pray, and patiently be present. And share. Mm -hmm. Share the experience together. Absolutely. Well, you kind of have to share when you're listening and you're acknowledging. Yes, but you're, you're there and you're choose to be courageous Choose to push aside your own discomfort with grief and loss and and just enter into it with them. And it is such a meaningful, meaningful gift. Mm-hmm. That you didn't realize existed. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I still think about your beautiful daughter-in-law who gets this comment probably often, I'm sure, well, you're mm-hmm. young enough to find someone else. Mm-hmm. And it's just too bad that she can't look at that person and say, I'm sorry that you 
haven't had an experience like this for yourself to realize that, you know, I don't know what else I would say after that, but yeah, it's. Well, yeah. the thing is we're, when we are grieving, we're too overwhelmed to correct our friends who say yeah. yes. Well, and cause so you're not thinking, right? No. And it just takes too much emotional energy and you think, you know what, Never mind. I'm just not ever going to talk to you again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's that's why I'm so I'm so committed to be like a grief educator and just to bring these things to light. So that's why I'm so grateful to you, Tina, for opening up this conversation. Hopefully, you know your listeners will take away just even a little nugget that will make them feel a little bit more certain, a little bit more confident to say, okay, I'm going to do that for my grieving friend. Yes, absolutely. And thank you for coming on and sharing those tips. Those are great tips. And, and thank you for being vulnerable to, to your story. It's not easy to do. No, not easy, but I am grateful for the opportunity. Yes, and I appreciate it very much. So thank you so very much. Thank you, Shirley. Thank you. Thank you so very much for coming on. Um, so everybody, I don't want Shirley to leave. I'm sure you don't either, because I'm sure she's full of tips for all of us. Though Those were some great tips. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you. Um, take a moment and subscribe to our channel, because we have the button down there that you have to click on to subscribe. And when you are thinking about that special someone in your life today, that you are thinking about right now when you're listening to this show and you haven't spoken to them in a while, reach out to them today. Pick up that phone, go knock on their door, Zoom them, FaceTime, whatever it is, but talk to them and tell them how much you love and care about them today because you don't know what tomorrow may bring. So stay tuned for our podcasts and our live streams. We have interesting and fun conversations with some of the most interesting and accomplished people in the world, like Shirley. Uh, I think you'll be entertained and formed and hope that we've inspired you and motivated you to find your unique plan and not be Superman, because no one is. Expect the unexpected. Uh, we are on all podcast platforms where you might have found us already. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and TikTok. We have a Facebook group that you're welcome to join as a VIP. And you can share in your life experiences of, uh, you know, maybe an aunt or a parent or what do I do in this situation or what does everybody think I could say or do. It's very helpful to be part of a community and have some support that way. Um, we always end with Carol Burnett, and I know Shirley knows who Carol Burnett is, that's for sure. Yep. <laughs> She's a beautiful lady and full of life, and I always love to have part of her come on at the end of our show. I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started, and before you know it comes a time we have to say so long. So long, everybody. Stay safe. Expect the unexpected. Be kind. Till next time. Thank you, Shirley. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.